What is up? Hello, and welcome in to another edition of Downey and Martez, a Bucks Nation podcast right here on SB Nation. And the Bucks survived in advance, so it is another playoff edition of Downey and Martez. Last week, one half of this dynamic duo, that would be the Martez half, Lynn Martez, called this the best week of the playoffs, the divisional round. I am Trey Downey, as always. Lynn, what's up, man? I know you got to be looking forward to to this weekend. I sometimes I like wild card weekend, but as we saw this past week, we tend to get more uh, competitive games once uh, we get to the second round of the playoffs. Yeah, a uh, they did more than survive in advance, although banged up. Now we'll see what happens uh, on Sunday, three o'clock versus the Rams, who also won on Monday night. Wild card weekend. B, wild card weekend had some teams that didn't deserve to be in the playoffs in my eyes. I mean, you got to play better than than what some of these teams played. And as far as the NFC East is concerned, I mean, the Bucks played one of the teams that made it from the NFC East, that being the Eagles. And then the division winner was the Cowboys. Who Either, either one of those teams, I question whether or not they should have been in the playoffs. I mean, I know the Cowboys were 6-0 in their own division, but um, that's why. That's why they made the playoffs, because they didn't win a game outside of division. I mean, they won a game outside of division, but they were at 500 outside of division. Like, And then you're at home, too? But that's besides the point. I mean, you're not supposed to lose at home in the playoffs, man, especially when you're, when you're a favorite, too. And they're a favorite. You but, can follow But, 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 one of this rock and sock connection predicted that the Cowboys would lose on Sunday. Oh, we both did. I called, I said 49ers. Oh, whatever. I, anyway, anyway, yeah, anyway. I'm, yeah. More, I'm, more, I'm more in tune to what I said. I don't really pay attention, a whole lot of attention <laughs> to what you said, unless it's necessary. And the fact that you picked the same team I picked, unnecessary. Deniers are, are a scary team for anybody to play. What do you got? I, th- I think the only game both of us missed was what happened on uh, Monday night. I think we both. Um, 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 maybe, but only because only because the, the, the visiting team was playing the Rams. I've been telling you about the Fadesi Cardinals since week five, but you know what? I'm not here to tell you I told you so, but move on. This is a Bucks podcast. I won't pull a Barry Horowitz and pack myself on the back, but one of us did say that the Cardinals were Fagazi. And one of us said, like I said, some teams did not belong in the playoffs for Wild Card Weekend. And that team on Monday night, the visiting team on Monday night, was one of those teams. And one of us said the Patriots were Fugazi as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. One of us also said they would win five games. So don't so don't break your arm patting yourself on your back too much. Let me ask you this. Before we before we get into the Bucks and everything, you brought it up multiple times. By the way, you can follow Lynn on Twitter at Elmar810. You can follow me on Twitter at TD Experience and follow Bucks Nation on Twitter at Bucks underscore Nation. You said that there were multiple teams that didn't deserve to be in the playoffs. Like, do you think what the NFL did with adding the 
extra wild card team now having seven teams in each conference is that a bad experiment no. do you think no. that it shouldn't no it's not a bad thing i mean that's like saying week week 18 was a waste no it's not a waste even even if the playoff teams and the number one seeds rested their players we got football man so with the nfl adding wild card teams can I sit here and tell you that all those teams deserve to be playing on, on Saturday or Sunday or even Monday? No. But did I enjoy watching two games on Saturday and three games on Sunday and Monday night? Heck yeah. So I'm okay with, with what they did. But moving forward, you would hope that and look, the, the big word is always parody, 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 parody. Well, unfortunately, when you start adding extra teams and it's good because you've mentioned this even on this podcast in regards to fan bases being in it throughout week 16, week 17, week 18. And that's great. Problem is you would hope moving forward that the teams that do make it, even if they are seventh seed, that they're a little more competitive and a little bit better. Not to mention the fact that maybe it's the only division the way it is in the NFL right now, but good Lord, Washington, Giants, and the Eagles put up a better fight in that division. And don't let a team that is, I mean, questionable when it comes to being a division winner, just sweep the division. All right, so now let's get into... Them clowns scored 50 points twice on a yeah. division foe. Twice. No, and... Well, but let's be honest. Like, the 49... A lot of the... That game came down to the very end, but a lot of it was the 49ers kind of keeping them in that game. No doubt. No doubt. So, it's like, both of us pr- predicted that that would happen, but I'm not going to go as far as saying Dallas didn't deserve to be in the playoffs. They were division winner. They were the three seed in the NFC. But I'll say this: when we were talking, when we were talking all season long, yes, I included the Cardinals, and I was wrong on that. But when I talked about the four teams in the NFC that I thought could go to the Super Bowl, I said Packers, I said Rams, I said Bucks, and I said Cardinals. I never included the Cowboys in that in that top four. Yeah, so truth while be told, up, truth be told. The early part of the season, I was probably more on the Cowboys than you were because of based off of the things that they did early on in the season. But as the season progressed, it was more, more about passing and, and less about running the football. And that's when I tapped out. I was like, I'm over it because I watched him play that Thanksgiving game and lose to uh, the Raiders. I watched him lose to the Cardinals. And at that point, I'm like, I'm out. I don't trust you. And, 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 you know, we talked about the trust issues before. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I wasn't correct on Monday night, because I still don't trust the Rams. Even if they'll come in here on uh, on Sunday and play in the Bucs, a banged up Bucks team. All right. So let's talk about the Bucs and let's talk quickly about what happened last weekend, because it was a blowout victory over the Eagles. The Bucs advance into the divisional round. There's not a ton to recap in terms of how that game went i will say this oh no no uh, no 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 no. let's 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 give credence to this 
And that's the fact that, and I brought it up last week, get off to a good start. And on Sunday, they did. They did. Two drives in the first quarter. And they ran 25 plays offensively in the first quarter alone. That's that's how you're supposed to play. That's how you're supposed to play a team that wasn't supposed to be in the playoffs. Now, moving forward, can they do this against the better teams in the in the conference, in the divisional round, and hopefully in the NFC Championship game? We'll see. But they dominated in the first quarter the way they're supposed to, and they got off to a good start. And they did it without their second and third best receiver for the majority of the season and without their top two running backs. Correct. So the the way that the Bucks offense clicked was impressive to me. I expected the Eagles to put up a little bit better fight than what they did. But as far as how the game went, I think the biggest thing to discuss and the biggest thing moving forward are the injuries and what happened in terms of the offensive line and the fact that Tristan Wirfs goes down with an ankle injury, tries to come back in the game. You can see from his very first play out there that he should not have been back in that football game. And now his status for this Sunday's game against the Los Angeles Rams is questionable, or at best, questionable at best, I'd say, for Tristan Wirfs. Probably a game-time decision in terms of him. Ryan Jensen also goes down. That one looked worse just because of how much pain Jensen looked like when he went down on the field. Jensen doesn't even miss another offensive snap, but he is banged up as well. And we talked about it last week that we both kind of thought Arizona was winning, was going to win. And I thought going after Sunday, I was thinking, man, Bucks fans better hope that Arizona wins that game. Because to me, with a banged up offensive line, you want no part of what that Rams defensive line is going to bring you. Because let's not forget, the last time the Bucks played the Rams, when the Rams dominated them, they didn't even have Vaughn Miller. Yeah, no, that, that, that's certainly the case. But aside from the offensive line getting banged up, this is a bad matchup anyway. Because the kryptonite for any offense that Tom Brady runs is you rush four consistently and you drop seven and the Rams can do that. And they can do that without sending anyone extra. Therefore we'll beat your five. We'll beat your six. And when we watched it, we watched it on, on Monday night. We watched it in week three when the bucks went out to SoFi. And because of that, it's a bad matchup. And then on top of that, you, you talk about the injuries. I, I mean, listen, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Worf's going to go or Jensen's going to go. It's when we do this, this is Thursday. So you find out more as, as the week goes on. Certainly by Friday, you, you probably have a, a, a good idea about who's going I'm to I'm not play. a doctor, but I'd be surprised if Jensen doesn't go just simply based on the fact that he – went back in the game and never missed a snap on Sunday. We've seen that before, though. I mean, we watched Gronk go back into a game this past year, and he missed, yeah. he missed yeah. like three or four yeah. weeks after that, okay? Yeah. So there's an adrenaline rush that, that when you're playing, that, you know, you can't, you can't disregard that. But obviously you're hoping that at least one of those two guys play because when you start, when you start talking about playing backups and you start digging into your depth chart – 
and you start moving pieces into center and maybe you move Ali Marpet into center. I'm hoping that that's, that that's not the case where they have to, you know, play the chessboard as far as the offensive line is concerned. Then you're hoping that at least one of these two guys go because you're going to need those guys going. Do up you think that's what, if Jensen's out, do you think that, do you think they move Marpet to center and start Stinney at left guard? Or do you think it's a case where Hainsey slots in at center and they keep Marpet where he is? I mean, that that's, it all depends on, on how they've been doing things in regards to practice. And I'm not just talking about this week. I'm talking about, I'm talking about throughout the season. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about how many times has, has, has Hainsey, you know, bent over and Tom Brady's been behind him. Um, and it all depends on, on who they're comfortable with, with making the calls for the offensive line too. That's a big factor too. Why are you laughing? You said it depends on how many times Hainsey's been over and Tom Brady's been behind him. That's funny. <laughs> that's how, that's how center know, and, just, and quarterback you, have their exchange. It's just how you fra- it's just the, you Phrasing? simply use those terms. I'm doing podcasts with a 12 year old today. <laughs> really, dude? <laughs> you think you think oh. when I say Moby Dick, that's funny too? <laughs> I mean, no, on. but no, but to me, it's it's going to be an interesting situation because, I mean, look at Josh Wells, who slotted in for Tristan Wirfs. That guy was limping off the field as well. So you got a banged up guy at who has kind of been your utility guy on the offensive line in terms of being a backup this season in, in Wells. And to me, you mentioned the Rams' ability to rush four and to get to the quarterback. And we're, we're full in on previewing this this Sunday's game now as well and to me i don't know how much success the bucks are going to have offensively i think that especially even if those guys are banged up i don't want to see a banged up tristan Wirfs going against vaughn miller or leonard floyd for an entire for an entire game that often and i don't want to see a rookie robert hainsey lined up in front of uh in front of Aaron Donald. I don't want to see Aaron Stinney lined up in front of in front of Aaron Donald. So I think that that the Bucks strength for a, a lot of times has been their offensive line and Wirfs has been the best player on the offensive line. So to not have him would be an absolutely huge blow. Now I'm not completely counting out the Bucks on Sunday and I'll say this. I'll I'll put it out there put it out there early. You look on BucksNation.com for my prediction for Sunday. You're going to see that I predicted a Rams victory. But I'm not going to be surprised if the Bucks win this football game. Still, the Rams are coming off of a short week. They have to go cross-country. And to me, I think the Bucks' best chance on winning the winning the game on Sunday is their defense and maybe a little bit of bad Matthew Stafford showing up because Lynn, you mentioned how hard it is to, to trust the Rams and trust Matthew Stafford, even with the injuries that, that they have and it being a bad matchup, it's still very hard to go into a divisional round of the playoffs and pick Matthew Stafford to beat Tom Brady. 
Okay, stop hedging your bets, dude, because you predicted that the Rams would win. No, so no, no. I, I, I am, but hedge. I'm, I'm, st- but I, but I'm stating the case of what, like, a lot of Bucks fans are doom and gloom, and there are people out there that think the Bucks have no chance going into Sunday. I don't think that that's the case. I'm telling you that I think the Bucks' path to victory is having success on the defensive side of the ball and Matthew Stafford being forced into a couple of interceptions. I think that that's the path to success for the Bucs because I don't see the Bucs going in and putting up another 42 points uh, on the offensive side of the ball. I just don't see that with the banged up offensive line and the fact that your two running backs are still banged up as well. We don't know Leonard Fournette's status. Ronald Jones returned to practice today without a boot, but that's another guy who's banged up as well. So to me, I, I think the way the if we come back here next week and we're talking about the Bucks playing in an NFC championship game, I think we're talking about the defense willing them to that as opposed to how it's been the majority of this season with this offense and the offense putting up a lot of points. I think the defense is going to have to force turnovers on Sunday to win the game. That's fine. But here's the thing when it comes to the Bucks offensively on, on Sunday, they got to find a way to be able to run the football. You got to be able to slow it out. You got to be able to slow those pass rushes from just coming after Tom and, and knowing that, it's second and long and he's going to throw it's third and long. He's going to going to throw. That's crucial. They can't be in those situations where it's going to be. We're sending four guys. We're dropping seven blockers. What are you going to do now? It can't be that situation. It has to be, there has to be balance in their play calling. There has to be ways that they slow the pass rush down. And you mentioned the running backs, Jones and, and Fournette. We don't know if Lennon's going to play, but if playoff Lenny does play on Sunday, that'll be huge. Yes. Because one of the things that ways that you slow down that pass rush is you throw the ball to your running backs. Unfortunately, one of them doesn't have the best of hands, and that's the one in Ronald Jones. Now, I will say Well, and if Rojo doesn't play, we saw it again with Keyshawn Vaughn and dropping the football this past Sunday. True, but the the one good thing is is that even on Sunday against the Eagles, Giovanni Bernard had a rushing touchdown. Yep. Which means they're okay with using him in running situations. And that's good because most of the time if you saw 25 back there, you're thinking, okay, this is a passing down. But no, if you're able to run the football with Gio Bernard back there, that's a, a good thing. Because the Rams are going to be thinking pass and you're running the football. Again, it's another way to slow that pass rush down. And that's going to be huge. Whether whether Fournette plays or not, they got to find a way to disguise their offense enough so that the Rams aren't thinking second and long, third and long. Tom's going back and throwing the football because that's a recipe for a loss. Because here's another thing, too. They're going to simply take away Mike Evans, and they can do it very easily. That's where I was going to. And I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not. This isn't any disrespect to Mike, but he's going up against one of, if not the top cornerback in the NFL, in Jalen Ramsey. And because of that, all of a sudden, you take Mike away, and I know they're going to be looking for Gronk too. But if you take Mike away with one guy, 
and you're dropping seven, guess what you're going to do? You're going to double 87. And then you have to find a better matchup for whether it be Grayson or whether it be Perman to win. And unfortunately, the Rams secondary one-on-one is more than likely to stop those guys. So again, if you're in second and long and third and long, that recipe is going to be a recipe for disaster, and it's going to be the last game at Raymond James on Sunday. So I'm not hedging. I'm telling you how that's how it's going to be, unfortunately. So that I'm with you. And I'm if I'm the Rams defense, if I'm if I'm uh if I'm Raheem Morris, my Jalen Ramsey's following Mike Evans. Correct. If if you are you are going to especially with a banged up offensive line, you are going to say, if if I'm not going to the NFC championship game, if Tyler Johnson, Scotty Miller, and Brashad Perriman beat me, I'm cool with it. But I'm not going to let Mike Evans go off. So to me, the Bucks' path to success on offense, as I said, I think their path to success winning this football game is defensively. But I think offensively, it is those guys are going to have to really step up even more than they even more than they've already done so. And maybe you see more of the two tight end set. Maybe you see Cam Brake get more involved. We actually had an OJ Howard siding against Philadelphia and throwing the ball, throwing the ball to the running backs. Or maybe we look back at this. It's I the world knows what I think of Mike Evans. If Mike Evans absolutely balls out against a Jalen Ramsey, that just further cements his legacy as the best offensive player the Bucs have ever had. And while I think Mike could have some success, I don't think we're looking at a case where we're going to be talking about Mike Evans dominating the game. So to me, those other guys are going to have to step up in a big way because this now we're in the situation where you really have to worry about not having those other options when you're playing a team like the Rams that have the best corner in the NFL that can follow your one true big weapon that you have. And as you mentioned, when you have the ability to get to the quarterback rushing four and you can double team Gronk as well, it's just a, to me, more than any other team that the Bucs could have faced in this, in this entire playoff run, to me, the Rams are the worst matchup because of what they present on the defensive line and what they have in Jalen Ramsey. If you're going up against a team where you think, you know, maybe they're great at running the football, which the Rams are solid, especially with getting Cam Akers back. They have one of the best receivers in in Cooper Cup. Yes, they're inconsistent, but the way that they match up defensively against a banged up Bucks offense, it's just... It, it's it's the luck of the draw in the, in this situation because if the Bucks even if they were going to I'll tell you this if the Bucks were going to Green Bay this weekend I would be more confident in the Bucks getting to the NFC Championship game than them facing than them facing the Rams I think the Rams are the absolute worst matchup of any team NFC or AFC that the Bucks could have faced in these playoffs I'm glad you specified when you said Mike Evans could end up being in the near future, the greatest Bucks offensive player. Because you got on Twitter a couple of weeks ago and stated the greatest Buck ever. 
I read a tweet. Yeah. And and, and, and and you were corrected by a few folks on Twitter who reminded you um, a certain middle linebacker that you're already in the Hall of Fame. Okay. That okay. Wears so 55. Hold, hold on. on. No, hold no, no. But I, I, let me. I'll, no, I'll no, address- no, no. Hold on. I let you spill for like five minutes already. So okay. You can, okay. You can, you can, you can, you can respond when I'm done. Okay. That's the, when you say your favorite, that's one thing. Charlie Ward may be my favorite Nick of all time, but guess what? He's not the greatest Nick of all time. God bless the Florida State no Heisman Trophy winner. I like Charlie Ward, but he's not the greatest of all time. You said greatest. Favorite is one thing. You said greatest buck of all time. I wasn't consi- I didn't say I didn't say Josh Freeman was the greatest buck of all no, time. No, you said Mike Evans. And again, I said- no, but and that's again, not even what people were attacking. There's a guy already in the hall, already in the hall of fame, who wants a word with you. Yeah, fifty-five who played his whole career Lynn, in Tampa Bay. Lynn, I didn't even, I didn't even, I didn't even say the people weren't attacking the Mike Evans part of the tweet. People were attacking the fact that I mentioned that Mike Evans is inching closer to Rondé Barber as the oh, greatest no, no, Buccaneer no, no, no. of all time. Fifty-five too. Yeah, no, no, no. Yes, I'm telling you that people were people weren't mad about the Mike Evans part. People were mad that I ranked Rondé over Derek Brooks when the purpose of the tweet was praising Mike. And I never said that Mike was. I my said point he's inching is, closer. The, the, and yes, came it, people came at you, but my point is you said it has nothing to Mike do with Evans a favorite. Was the greatest? Was no, the greatest. I didn't. That's not what I said. I said he's inching closer and closer. To Rondé Barber as the greatest buck of all time. That's the that was the tweet. And again, and again, again, fifty five. Okay, fifty five would like a word with you because yes, fifty five is fifty five is the greatest buck of all time. That's fine. That's fine if you have that. I personally have Rondé Barber as the great as the great as the greatest book of all time. Love Rondé. He should be in the my, hall. But if a dude's already in the hall and spent his whole career here, the middle linebacker, that dude's the greatest. Man. Again, Rondé should be should be in the hall. He spent his whole career here as well. It it's neither here nor there. Oh, Derek it's here, Bro- and it's there. <laughs> Derek Brooks, Derek Brooks and Rondé Barber are one A and one B, and Mike Evans is inching closer to being one C. That that was the that was the tweet, and it, it wasn't a shot at Derek Brooks as people took it as. It was giving Mike Evans his flowers. Don't focus on the Derek Brooks part. Focus on the Mike Evans part, people. But let's. You said I'm hedging. Let's get your prediction for Sunday. I already Sunday. told you. I'm not hedge. I, I told you that's going to be the recipe for, for disaster on Sunday because they're going to be they're going to be. Is that two- recipe going to happen? Or the Bucks yeah, no, going the recipe to- is going to happen. They're going to be in okay. third. They're going to be second along in third third along situations. Here's another thing too. You have to realize whether it's whether it's Jensen or Stinney or, or Hainsey or Marpet that ends up playing. In front of 99. Yep. <laughs> He's going to need help because 99 is a beast. I watched him Monday night. And it and you go into the game knowing, knowing this guy's gonna come at you, and you send you send two guys going at him, and he's still beating double. He beat double, he beats double teams. Huge for if you told me 
you had a you had to have only one guy play. If you told me to choose, and obviously this isn't the case, but if you told me I had to choose between Tristan Orris playing on Sunday and Ryan Jensen, this may surprise you, but I'm going to tell you Ryan Jensen. And the reason being is because Ryan Jensen is the center that'll be in front of 99 and will call, will, will call everything that needs to be called while they play against 99. Okay, that's huge to have that center who looks across at 99, who is the starting center, and again, is an all-pro type player. God bless Tristan Works because the way he's been playing his first two years in the league. Ball, maybe the best right tackle in the NFL, but because he's further away from the football and further away from 99, I'd rather have Ryan Jensen. I'm, I'm just telling you from the standpoint of picking one of the two, that's it. And then again, it's, it's not, it's not anything that is going to actually potentially happen on Sunday when it comes to, you got to pick one of the two, you want to have both out there. Yep. But if I had to have one guy, you told me I have to have only, I only get to have one of them I'm taking 66 and putting 66 in front of 99. And again, having him with the ability to get help from other guys so that you can, you can have Marpet and Kappa support blocking 99, as opposed to, Worse, who's further away from the football, who you can get help on blocking Floyd or Von Miller, chipping him with tight ends. You mentioned playing two tight end offense. Well, if you play two tight end offense, guess what? Then you're able to help that right tackle out with one of the tight ends or running back chipping him, knocking him off a little bit, slowing, slowing him down a little bit so that Tom's back there and under three seconds getting rid of the football. But up the middle... <laughs> those seconds are crucial closer to the football and that's where Aaron Donald is and that's why I say Ryan Jensen's a key for Sunday so I so I mentioned that bad Stafford showing up the defense playing lights out is how I think that the Bucks could end up winning if if we're back here next week and we're talking about the Bucks in the NFC championship game do you have a similar case for what the Bucks' path to victory would be on Sunday? I mean, I, I, listen, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna tell you I'm sold on Stafford because he won one playoff game. I mean, it's the first time he won a playoff game. Guy played, I don't know, eighty. He's got like eighty six, eighty seven regular season wins, and he finally won a playoff game. And you can talk about him being in Detroit, and I, I get it, I understand that, but just over the last. Guess the last five games. This is the first time he didn't throw an interception in his last five games. He didn't throw a pick. And that's great. But guess what? Tom Brady racks that up, you know, like, like nothing. Like back to back to back to back games, not a pick. Aaron Rodgers throws 200, 250, 300 passes without throwing a pick. Here I am with Matt Stafford, and he finally goes in a game. In his first first time in five games, he hasn't thrown an interception. So I don't trust that Stafford is still, you know, all of a sudden has, has seen the light. Oh, he's seen the light because he won a playoff game. Heck no. He threw a season-low 17 passes on, on, on Monday night. You want to know why? Because Sean McVay wanted to run the football. And you want to know why? Because he may trust him more than I do, more than you do, but Sean McVay has some trust issues with his quarterback too. 
17 times, dude. He had him throw. Well, that's all. They were they were up early. Didn't even have to. Didn't even have to throw it. I will go. I will go back and look at the numbers where again the disparity of throwing the football, running the football with the same type of game. Okay, same type of game. Season low seventeen attempts. Yet they ran it thirty or I don't know what they ran it. 38 times on on Monday night. Dude, that is more than double than the attempts of passing the football. You gonna tell me Sean McVay trusts his quarterback like like LaFleur trusts Rodgers? Like Arians trusts Brady? Come on. I mean he trusts, I think he trusts him more than he trusted Jared Goff when they went to the Well, that's why they made the trade. I get that. I understand that, but but He's watched them all season long. He's watched them the last five games. He's watched those pick sixes. He's watched those multiple interception games. He's watched them. So yep. he knows. But you asked me in regards to the recipe for the, for the Bucks winning on Sunday. It's what they've been doing all season long. Stop the run. Because if you do stop the run, guess what happens? Same situation I mentioned as far as Tom Brady being in second and long third and long. Now Matt Stafford's got to go back there and throw the football. And even if he don't send six guys, guess what? They're going to send four. But Matt Stafford's not going to know what four it is because all of a sudden Antoine Winfield goes in, Vita Vea drops, JPP drops, okay? Shaq Barrett drops. You saw that pick on Sunday. Yep. Okay? They may send four or five guys but Matt Stafford's not going to know which four or five, five guys are coming on second and long and third and long. So the recipe in regards to the Bucks winning on Sunday is put the Bucks, put the Rams offense in the same situation that the Rams defense wants to put the Bucks offense. And that is second and long, third and long. So Matt Stafford has to figure out, uh-oh, who's coming? I got six guys on the line of scrimmage. Who are they dropping? Are they dropping 50? Are they dropping 58? Are they dropping 90? Are they dropping 9? Are they dropping 98? Run them down, dude. Vea, Shaq Barrett, JPP, uh, Triasha Yanka, and Anthony Nelson. All those guys can drop in coverage. And then you send Winfield, and you send Jordan Whitehead, and my man's trying to figure out who's dropping and who's coming. That... The same guy that that is throwing that is throwing picks left and right all season long. <laughs> all that being all all that being said, the Bucks are still three point favorites according to Vegas on yeah, on that's, Sunday. That's, 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 that's your field, typical dude. home. That's yeah. your typical yeah, home you field. You teams get, coming teams coming from the west to the east. They're packing their bags. Um, if this game it's not was, a one o'clock game though, it's a three o'clock game. So that's that's key yeah. too. If this game was on a neutral field, it'd be it'd be a pick 'em according according well, to not only that though, too. Let's factor in the fact that factor in the fact that factor in that we don't know about the injuries yet. Yep. Okay, so Friday when that final you know injury report comes out, and all of a sudden this guy's playing, that guy's playing, this guy's not. Guess what that line's gonna do? It's going to move. move. Why? Because Vegas is going to get more action on this game 
once people know who's playing and who's not playing. All right, let's talk about the other three games. We both said that we think that the Rams are going to win on Sunday and advance to the NFC Championship game. Who are the Rams going to play in the NFC Championship game? And who faces off in the AFC Championship game next weekend? The Rams are playing the Packers on, on NFC Championship Sunday. I'm with you. As much as as much as I like the Niners, because I, I I like the physicality of the way they play, I like the fact that Debo Samuel is a bad dude. You know, I mentioned being able to disguise the way the Bucks run their defense. Well, guess what? The Niners are able to do that with their offense because Debo Samuel lines up as a tight end, running back. I mean, the the the, the fullback. Houston lines up as a running back, fullback, tight end. They've got guys who can play multiple positions that, that again, they disguise so well that defensively you struggle to identify who's doing what and, you know, what scheme they're running and, and what package they're running, whether they're running two tight end, whether they're running one running back. Sometimes they want an empty running back or, or empty backfield and then you look up, all of a sudden, Samuel's in the, in the backfield again in motion. So the, all, those, all those things factor when it comes to playing against the, the Niners. But I still think that Green Bay has too many weapons uh, offensively. And, I mean, you tell me the pick between Jimmy G and Aaron Rodgers. I'm picking Aaron Rodgers. And I'm picking Aaron Rodgers because I think he's going to go mistake-free while Jimmy G has one of those moments like he had with seven minutes left against Dallas and throws a ball over someone's head. And it, it gets, I'm not saying it's going to happen in the fourth quarter. I'm not saying they're going to be winning, but he's going to have a moment that he shouldn't have in this game while Aaron Rodgers is probably going to play mistake free. Well, let's look at the, let's look at the past two weeks for the 49ers, huge wins, but they had to come back from 17 down against the Rams. And then you kept keeping the Cowboys in the game to the point where the Cowboys had a chance to win at the end of that football game. In either of those scenarios, I don't think you're coming back from 17 down against the Packers in Lambeau in January. And I don't think that uh, if you keep Aaron Rodgers in the game that long, I think Aaron Rodgers figures out a way to win that football game. I will say this though, Aaron Rodgers is widely talked about as because I think people consider him the generation after Tom Brady as the best quarterback of that of this generation. At some point, I think we've we've got to look at Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs and his record and the fact that he only has one Super Bowl all the way back in 2010-2011. I think that there is pressure on Aaron Rodgers here. Number 1 seed Back-to-back years, you've lost at home a lot in the playoffs. If you lose again here to a wild-card team in San Francisco, I think that these playoffs mean a lot for Aaron Rodgers' legacy. No, that's fair. He's won a Super Bowl, but... Over a decade ago. But there's times where you have to think in regards to whether or not he's won one. It's been so long. I, I mean, most people that cover the, the NFL clearly know he won one. I'm not saying those people forget, but generally speaking, because it's been so long, 
you kind of think like, oh yeah, he did win one. I mean, it's been that long ago. And honestly, when it comes to, if you want to talk legacy, I don't know that I'm really big on that, but if you want to talk legacy, he needs another one because you can't talk about this guy being arguably an MVP candidate every year and being one of the two best quarterbacks in the NFL and one guy have seven and the other guy have one. To me, like, I understand it's a team game and I get it. The issues on last year when the Bucks beat the Packers, whether it be Scotty Miller's touchdown at the end of the half, whether it be Matt LaFleur's decisions in the fourth quarter, how we handle things as far as the, the scoring going for, for field goal as opposed to trying to get seven points. I get all that. I understand all that. But at some point, just like we did with Peyton Manning until 2005, you have to wonder about, as you mentioned, the player success or lack thereof, a guy like Aaron Rodgers, who I call one of the two best quarterbacks that, play, that are playing football right now. And while one guy has seven and another guy has one, and the guy that won seven won it so many different ways. Yep. He won it last year the way he won it, with the team playing the way they did, and then he wins in New England with, with, against the Rams team, running the football, scoring 15 points in the Super Bowl, and then turning around and getting into the shootout with Jake DeLome and, and, and beating the Carolina Panthers. I mean, Tom's won it multiple different ways as far as the, far as the Super Bowl is concerned. So, hey, if you're Aaron Rodgers, dude, and I, and I like him. I like Aaron Rodgers. People don't like him off the field. I'm okay with everything because, of, <laughs> honestly, the way he acts off the field, I don't know that I wouldn't act that way. I'm not talking about the whole, you know, immune Immunized. facts and all. I'm not even talking about that. I'm just talking about his approach when it comes to when it comes to you know calling a guy a jerk for not voting for him. I don't know that I wouldn't be that same way. So, but 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 my point in, in saying that I like him is the fact that the dude's got to get another one, man. He has to get another one. Let's talk about the AFC. Cincinnati goes to Tennessee, 4.30 on Saturday, and then we wrap things up on Sunday night with the Bills heading to the Chiefs in an AFC Championship rematch from last year. Uh, I said it last week. I said I think that there's a good chance that if Cincinnati beats the Raiders, we're talking about them in the AFC playoffs or AFC Championship game, and I'm going to continue on that road. I think they find a way to win in Nashville on Saturday and then talking about Sunday, man, that's the most intriguing game of the weekend to me. The Bills have gotten hot at the right time. I never shied away from the Chiefs during the season, even in their early early season struggles. But maybe it's a little bit of me going back to my preseason prediction of the Bills getting to the Super Bowl. I just think that the Bills have some kind of magic right now, and I think that they can go into Arrowhead and and win that football game and get to an AFC Championship game. And we're talking about an AFC Championship game between Buffalo and Cincinnati, something you know, two championship-starved franchises. Well, if, you, if they if they end up winning those two teams, you'd have two cold weather teams with 
two franchise quarterbacks. So it, it, it'll be an intriguing matchup. But for me on Saturday, when it comes to the Bengals and the Titans, it's about one man. And it's not about Joe Burrow. And it sure as heck's not about Ryan Tannehill. Oh, I thought I was going to say number oh, 17. No, no, Spotlight. No, no, Mr. Under 100 yards passing and wins playoff games. No, it's about Derrick Henry. If Derrick Henry plays on Sunday, dude, guess what they're going to be able to do? Keep that explosive offense of the Bengals off the football field. Not to mention the fact that the Titans are one of those teams, as I mentioned, that are able to get to the quarterback with just sending four guys, dude. And granted, they've had their moments too. They've had their, you know, stinkers earlier in the season. But the latter part of the season, defensively, they've been tough, man. I watched him play the Dolphins and Tua couldn't, he couldn't tie his shoes without getting hit, dude. I mean, it was, it was bad. It was bad. They dominated. They've been dominating teams at home defensively. And I would expect that to be the same on Saturday against the Bengals. And no, it's not relying on. I mean, on... let's not compare the Dolphins and Bengals. No, no, no. And I said, I said the Dolphins, but also even prior to that, they've been, they've been impressive at home how they play defensively. I'm not comparing, I'm not comparing the Bengals and Dolphins offense. No way am I doing that. I'm not doing that. But my point is, and as I started this, this, this part of the conversation, I said it, I said it, and I'll say it again. They're going to run the football to keep the Bengals offense off the football field. It's got nothing to do with the Dolphins. Joe Burrow is going to spend a lot of time on the sidelines because they're going to go Henry left, Henry right, as long as he's healthy. Even if he's at 90%, guess what? At 90%, He's better than, than pretty much every running back in the league, with the exception of maybe Jonathan Taylor. As far as Sunday night's concerned, I'm with you. That's the game of the weekend for me. That's the game of the weekend, and it's probably the toughest game for me to pick because week six, week seven, week eight, I'm watching the Chiefs' defense, and I'm like, yeah. I've said yeah. it before, and I'll say it again. They can't stop running water, dude. Oh, my gosh. And somehow – they picked up Melvin Ingram. They've made some changes defensively. And all of a sudden, they've played well defensively. And they were stopping teams. And good for them. What they're also doing offensively is they're taking what teams are giving them as opposed to, oh, my gosh, Tyreek Hill, you're playing him over the top? We're still going to throw the ball over the top. No, no, no. Dump it down to Jerk McKinney. Dump it down to Travis Kelsey. Dump it down to Gore. They're using other players, okay? Hardman. They're using other guys to get involved in the offense as opposed to forcing the football to Tyreek Hill. And it's been successful. But the flip side to that is Buffalo was impressive on, on Saturday night. I mean, perfect offensive game. All touchdowns. No punts, no punts until the no kneel downs turnovers. at the end of the game. I mean, I'm going to sit here and brag about other guys not turning the football over and not give Josh Allen his, his his due. Oh, no, no, no. That was impressive, dude. And he didn't do it against just, you know, I mean, you can you can talk about whether or not New England was going to be able to score against them. But they, they crushed the Patriots' defense. I mean, crushed them. Well, they were able to run the football with Singletary also, which is, to me, a huge key 
for the Bills. Ever since he's been running the football well, since week 13, 14, and on, they've been real impressive offensively. And uh, it's the game of the week in, 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 my, in, in my eyes. But I'm still closest I'm, one according to Vegas as well. Kansas City only one and a half point favorites. Yeah, I'm, at home. I'm still I'm I'm still sticking with Kansas City at at, at home, um, thinking it's going to be a real close game. And Mahomes finds a way within the closing minutes to to pull it out. I'm not telling you that Buffalo is not going to play well. This could be one of those 37-34 games where they go yeah. back and forth, dude. And and as well as I'm just talking about the. Chiefs defense playing the latter part of the season, <laughs> they're going to have their hands full because you got a bona fide number one wide receiver. You got a bona fide tight end in Knox. All of a sudden, he's catching touchdown passes left and right. And Allen goes to him in the red zone. And then you got a legit running game now with Singletary, along with the threat of Josh Allen running the football. The team that came here or came to Florida that played the Jags and scored six points. Uh-uh, dude, that's not that team anymore. No, they laid that stinker. And ever since probably then they've been putting up points and I expect them to do it on Sunday against, against the chiefs. I just expect the chiefs to score more. It's to me, even though that the bills lost that game at Raymond James stadium, if this bills run continues, I think that we could almost look back at the way that they came back and forced overtime against the Buccaneers as a turning point for this Bills season, especially coming off of the way that they lost to New England at home that prior Monday night when everybody was writing them off. They said the division race was over and they might miss the playoffs. I think that the way that they played in the second half of that game in Tampa Bay, I think could be viewed as a huge turning point for the Bills. So both of us have the same NFC championship prediction, Rams heading to Green Bay next weekend. Lynn has Chiefs at Titans, whereas I have Bengals at Bills. We will see next week. Until then, you can follow Lynn on Twitter at Elmar810. You can follow me on Twitter at TD Experience. Follow Bucks Nation on Twitter at Bucks underscore nation and check out BucksNation.com for all the latest and greatest on your Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This has been Downey and Martez, a Bucks Nation podcast.